0: The Creatives with AI Podcast. Hello, welcome to the Creatives with AI Podcast. I'm your host David, and on today's show I have Nadio Granada, who's a fellow at the Chartered Institute of Marketing and who just wrote the CIM Level 6 Award in AI Marketing. We have a really interesting conversation and we talk about how AI is changing or has changed the way marketing is done and what new skills marketers need to have over the next few years if they want to continue to be successful. It's a great conversation. I hope you enjoy it. Let's get started. The Creatives with AI podcast, the spiritual home of creatives curious about AI and its role in their future. Nadia, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you, thank you. I uh, feel very honoured to be uh, to be on your podcast, David. Having seen or listened to so many of your previous interviewees, it's uh, yeah, very very
0: honoured. Well, thank you very much. How's life on the boat these days?
1: Um, it's uh, it's not bad. It's uh, we've uh, we're reaching that. Um, part of the year uh, now where it gets a bit tricky yeah so a couple of um, storms recently just um, made it a little bit tricky my my long blew off the other day so
0: uh, <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> nice one just for people listening Nadio and I know each other a little bit and actually I went out to see him last week on on the boat so I uh, I've experienced what's the name of the boat again
1: the Gabriella Sophia
0: right so I've, I've been on the Gabriella Sofia myself and um it was lovely. It was really, really nice. So um, awesome. Nunia, the reason I wanted to have you on, a couple things. You're involved in a couple of really, really interesting things that I think the listeners will also find interesting. I know you're a fellow with the Chartered Institute of Marketing and that you've been working on a an AI course for them. So I, I really want you to talk about that. But I have some other questions about, more general questions about, you know, people who are marketers or, or who do marketing for their own businesses and those sorts of things like, what are the changes they're going to need to make over the next few years and, and what skills are they going to need to develop? But before we get into all that, maybe if you just do a quick introduction and kind of give a little bit of your background and and sort of, you know, how you got here to where you are today. And if we do, you know, just a couple of minutes on that and then we'll, we'll dig into the meat of it.
1: Okay. Uh, thanks, David. Yeah. Nadia Granata, not a, not a typical name for somebody from Huddersfield in West Yorkshire. So I'm uh, half Italian, half English, but I was uh, born in the UK, went to um, a convent school just outside Milan uh, when I was a young child for about two and a half, three years. My dad worked over there. He was in catering. And we came back to, uh, to West Yorkshire and subsequently I, I continued my schooling. In West Yorkshire, and had to learn English, and then um, and then by the time I was fifteen, I was ready for off. I was restless. I was uh, school wasn't really doing it for me, or more likely, I wasn't doing it for school. To be fair, and I left home when I was fifteen, but you're not allowed to do that in UK. You're not allowed to. So um, so my sixteenth birthday, I left school and I left home, and um, big hug to with my mum. And off I went, and uh, I found myself on a beach in Bali about a year or so later, where I bumped into Boris Johnson. I spent uh, three days with Boris. Don't tell anybody that, though. Spent three days with Boris. (laughs) No way. (laughs) And two other guys, and uh, and we're basically, you know, we were backpackers, and we we stayed in what, I think they call them Losmans or Pansions or something, in, in Bali on Kuta Beach. And then Boris went backpacking around wherever he went. God knows what, where, what everyone got up to. And I went on to Sydney with the other two guys who were already friends from, from the UK. One, um, and we. Because I was a chef at the time, I got into catering. I followed my dad into catering, and I got a job straight away in Sydney, just over the bridge there in North Sydney, as a breakfast chef. So I was up at four in the morning, but I was on Bondi Beach by about ten, so that wasn't too bad. Ah, uh, that's nice. And spent six months um, as a as a breakfast chef there in Sydney, and then um, and then. After six months, one of the guys that I'd met um, called Rick, he came back to the UK to go to Cambridge University. The other guy came back to the UK to go to Oxford University, and I had no qualifications, no university to go to. So I I hitchhiked all around Oz. I went up to Cooktown, Townsville into Alice Springs, Ayers Rock, Darwin, over to Broome, Port Hedland, down to Perth and back, back into Indonesia and back to the UK. That took over a year. And then after about a year of being a chef, vegetable chef, over Christmas in a hotel in Huddersfield, there's a lot of peeling potatoes, I got a postcard, got one of those old things called a postcard from uh, one of the chef's... Oh, cranky! Sorry, I missed off. I worked in Sardinia. When I was 16, I worked in Sardinia. <laughs> uh, so I did Sardinia first, came back, then went to Indonesia and Australia, then came back. And then I then bought a couple of bicycles with a, my girlfriend and we ended up cycling to southern Egypt and back. 12,000 miles, 13 wow. months. that's crazy. Uh, 17 countries. We were only going to France. We are only going to France for, for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the wind was blowing, and the sun was shining. And once you can travel a lot, you know, get a lot of distance with. And we were free camping. We camped in the mountains, on the rivers, and the beaches. And then we went through the Sinai, the Negev, the Sahara. We actually went through the West Bank, which obviously is a you know a subject at the moment. And we got.
0: So how did you wind up in marketing after all that?
1: Because when I came, when when we traveled, believe it or not, as boring as I am, I used to write business plans. You know, you play Cluedo or Cards or Dot the Dot or whatever we did. But in and amongst that, I was, uh, my dad's entrepreneurial. He had a couple of Italian restaurants. He also had a, 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 fa- a pasta factory. And so as a sort of young teenager, I used to work in those places empty the bins do the washing up right and I yeah I guess I've got an entrepreneurial streak in me and um, so when we came back from our travels we uh, got married and had three children and I opened up a pizza takeaway business and shortly afterwards one of my school friends who had gone to one of those things called a university had said to me what are you doing with all of your client's Information, you do pizza deliveries you've got the name, the address, the telephone number. And I said, Well, I'm putting it all in a paper bag for the taxman. He said, Well, why don't you put it into a database? I'm like, Whoa, you know, what's one of those?
0: <laughs> right.
1: And I bought one of the first, I was one of the first of all of my friends to buy a computer, uploaded the data um, into that. And a couple of years later, I was at an exhibition, a catering exhibition in Earls Court. And some guys there were, were talking about computerized order-taking systems. And it was revolutionary. You know, and, I, and I rock up and on a floppy disk, I've got 2,000 customer names, addresses, telephone numbers. So yeah, yeah. I got involved with, with turning that into a point-of-sale order-taking system, my sort of toe into tech. And, um, and I ran
0: that. Business. What year was that?
1: That was um, what year was?
0: The, sorry, what year was well,
1: that? I, I set the business up in '88, so it would have been about '92, '93.
0: Just to give some context to people of kind of when we were talking about, so that's cool. So you then started putting all this stuff in the database and started to go from there.
1: Yeah, and um, and, and and we started doing these things called newsletters and uh, and things, and a little bit of desktop publishing and and things like this. So running my own business. Trying to grow it as much as I can. That was my my introduction to it, I suppose. And um I'd also worked at the at our pasta factory where we made fresh pasta. And we were we were pioneers. You know, we used to um do our own packaging, labeling, pricing, distribution. And I learned how to do all of that stuff um in in a family business sense. So yeah, after running my business for a number of years. I had a lot of, I had about 40 staff part-time, many of which had gone to the local university. And I had university envy, you know.
0: (laughs) Of course. I got a
1: and proficiency certificate, which had got my name misspelled in it. And that was all that I had. So I went to evening class, two nights a week I did. I was very lucky that they let me do a master's, but it was because I'd already run a business that I didn't need a first degree.
0: Right. I was yeah. also.
1: Yeah. I'd hasten to add. I was also paying for my own degree, for the own course. So uh, you know, when you pay for it, it's a bit less scrutiny goes on.
0: They're a little flexible. A little more flexible. Yeah. And,
1: uh, and 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 you know, I'll never forget that that interview and the guy called Giles Forbes when he, uh, you know, he asked me about business turnover margins, HR. You know, et cetera, et cetera. And, and, and that was second nature to me. So, yeah, I did two nights a week. I, I ended up getting an MSc marketing management degree. There was 32 of us who enrolled and only seven of us actually qualified in that first tranche. Uh, some others spent a bit longer getting the qualification. But I was like a sponge, David. I couldn't get enough. I could not get enough of this. This marketing yeah, theory yeah. and, you know, buyer behavior and, I don't know, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, Boston growth matrix, you know, couldn't get enough of it. And as soon as I qualified, I sold my businesses to my staff and I set up a marketing agency. We grew. It was in the old days when, when um, about I think it was about two, 2002 and Business Link was offering a lot of um, grants to companies so we got quite a lot of um, marketing plans wrote a lot of marketing plans for small businesses I knew a lot of people because of course a lot of people had come through my business I'd had it for 18 years some of my yeah. staff had grown up some of those students had grown up so had lots of um, client work to be, to be honest, I wasn't that used to work to running an agency. We undercharged, so if anybody's listening to this, and we uh, got a bargain <laughs> marketing plan back in two thousand and five or whatever, then you know they can buy the buy the beers. But I did some fabulous work, some really good work, and I've got to you know thank Susan Kenyon. She was my first employer, and yeah, she she took me on on a part-time basis before I set up my own business. And she taught me a lot. She was brilliant. And anyway, so I ran that business for a number of years. And in and amongst that, my former lecturers at university um, asked me if I'd go in and do a couple of guest lectures. And two guest lectures became four, and four became six, and six became eight. And I ended up swapping. I turned. I, I went to become a senior lecturer at the university. I maintained a couple of my clients and kept a a small marketing agency consultancy of one, i.e. me, and that enabled me to continue to, to do practical marketing whilst also teaching it. I wrote a bunch of modules at the University, university of Huddersfield to start with. I wrote, I was, what did I write? I wrote, um, marketing for event management. And I wrote PR and sponsorship. I was the, the lead, the only person that taught sponsorship. And I also wrote a master's in place shaping, which is an area close to your heart.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: As a local tradesman, as a local business owner and the founder of the Huddersfield Food and Drink Festival, which grew to 140,000 people. Uh, yeah, I'm passionate about place, you know, I've traveled a fair bit and and marketers, you know, when I was studying marketing, it was all about Coca-Cola. You know, I think Zara entered the frame yeah. at some point in
0: time. All the massive case studies that they give you to study the... The enormous companies, yeah,
1: and and a lot of it was American back back in those days, and uh, and I'm thinking, you know, I'm, anyway. So I was very lucky that I was sponsored onto a course called Common Purpose, changed my life. Common Purpose was was incredible, and it was the it's basically twelve months, one day a week. Oh, sorry, one day a month cohort of 32 all about leadership in the community so you learn about governance education health etc etc and I did that while studying my degree and and it was probably more valuable to me certainly on a lifetime life basis but it it taught me leadership taught me not to be afraid taught me um, how to take information and analyze it in my own way, you know, the, the textbooks, you're you, when you get a textbook, you start taking their analysis. But this course was like, no, it's your interpretation. You see the world differently, and you're entitled to express that. So, yeah, I became a, um, a marketing uh, lecturer, and we also set up a degree course in uh, Hong Kong. Um, my chancellor at the time was Sir uh, Patrick Stewart from Star wars and stuff. I, I've never actually... Yeah. No, not Star Wars. Was it the Star one. Wars, yeah. Um, Star Trek. Star Trek. Star Trek. Um, and I've never really seen it, but anyway, a really nice guy. And uh, we used to call him One 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 Take Patrick, because he introduced the university to TV advertising, and uh, and he was brilliant today. Right. The university grew rapidly, and we were sent over to Hong Kong to to partner with Hong Kong Management Association, and I delivered courses over there. So brilliant experience great time but i was itchy i wanted to get back into industry and i um, i joined forces with a couple of other guys who had founded free Serve and um a guy called simon palin and we launched something called Aid, and Aid was a portal for recycling unwanted stuff i think you'd, you'd, you'd refer to it as Vinted okay. now i think there's a Vinted. <laughs> um, yeah, but we were before vintage, digital yeah. digital cameras and uh it didn't. It didn't fly. It's a shame it didn't fly. It costs us a lot of money, but it was the right thing in the right direction just too soon. And I went back into academia, uh, became a teaching fellow at Leeds University and a fellow of the Higher Education Academy, and then developed an algorithm for measuring social media performance. And credit to, to um, it wasn't me that wrote... It wasn't me who had the idea, it was somebody else who had the idea and had the, the technical capability. But we, um, we we put this algorithm together using the, we took the APIs from all the major um, social media platforms, aggregated them, and created automated reports. That was 10 years ago, nine years ago.
0: Right, right.
1: Ahead of its time. And we launched that at Leeds Business Week, which was sponsored by a little company from San Francisco called Salesforce and they'd helicoptered in their senior teams they wanted to open up the uk the north of england and i spent 3 days with sales, salesforce at the at this um, exhibition this conference they were my first customer they loved what we'd done. And two years later, um, I joined one of their partners in London. I moved to London and became a brand director for one of their fastest growing partners, a platinum partner called Make Positive. I oversaw well, we the rebrand. We grew 40% in two years. And that sounds a lot. And it was a lot. But to be fair, Salesforce were growing 28% themselves. So, you know, yeah. uh, the marketing yeah, was- it was
0: massive. It was massive at the beginning. Yeah. I know there's been a, a lot of story here, but I I really wanted you to go through that because I think one of the important aspects and, and one of the things that I like sort of about your story is, is that you started off as a practitioner, right? Like you were doing marketing before you went to school to learn about marketing because you had to make your business run. Yeah. And I think that ties into some of the stuff that we're going to talk about because we're at that same sort of point in history, I think, where... It's really important for I think the people who are the practitioners who are getting down in the weeds with AI at the minute are the ones that are probably going to be successful long term because we're the ones that are actually like trying to figure it out. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. And it's the same experience you will have had, you know, running your small business. You know, you try a flyer and you go, well, that flyer didn't work very well and that cost me 500 quid. You know, and then you go, okay, well, I've got to try something different. So, you know, you were doing the hands-on kind of testing thing in the beginning, which is kind of what we're doing now. And I know that you're hugely interested in doing that. So what are your, so what are your thoughts, you know, having gone through the whole educational thing and been an instructor around sort of marketing, how do you think AI is now changing the way marketing works and the way marketing is done?
1: Crikey, that's a massive question. Um... I think it's. I think it is changing a lot, and it and it will change a lot more for those of us who embrace it and allow it. And it's phenomenal. It's phenomenal. There are others who will be resistant to it. And I suppose if you look at the life cycle of AI or whatever, or um, I should know my model, You know what I say? The early early adopters. You know.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You
1: know. I think we are, we are early adopters. We're definitely not pioneers by any stretch. I might have been a pioneer when we wrote the the algorithm ten years ago, in, in a sense. So I think the world it's more than marketing, David. The the whole the world will not be the same again, and I and I believe that to be. I know it sounds big. It sounds maybe a bit careless of me to say that, but seriously, it um, entrepreneurs tend to they need a toolkit don't they we need you know if you're an entrepreneur you need you know you need a, you need a good ally you need a good listening ear you know you don't you don't make it on your own you always have somebody else or something else in there well you've got you've got your sidekick with your chat GPT or your Claude or your Bard or or if you you know you've got your Nadio.ai, ask me anything about business and marketing and my own chatbot will 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 give you some answers. So when Margaret I just wrote a, a long piece um yesterday, a long article about it was about paradigm shifts. And we have been through many paradigm shifts. Starting well pre-industrial revolution, but if we start with industrial revolution, in marketing we say that our 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 distinct eras were product, production, sales, marketing, societal marketing, and now in the twenty first century, digital marketing. And Bill Gates says it's the age of AI. Yeah. So, you know, as the age of AI, a new paradigm, it probably is. The Internet of Things was part of the digital period. Societal marketing in the late 1990s when we became a bit more responsible for the world in which we're living in and things like So lots of paradigm shifts. And... In and amongst that, you know, you look back and this isn't a political statement, but Thatcherism took us into a free market economy. And, you know, there used to be the manufacturing price index before that. You probably won't know because you come from a different…
0: No, I don't remember that. I wasn't here.
1: You know, prices were fixed by our manufacturers. And we've forgotten about this sort of stuff. We've forgotten about it. It's, it's, It's way in the past. But we became a nation of shopkeepers, a nation of, of, of entrepreneurs and small businesses. Now you multiply that forward. Now you take that forward, and and we will con- we will grow even more independent com- um, businesses. I remember going to one of your sort of events, which was a smart city event in Manchester, fifteen years ago. Part of the you know brought the the. The master's degree in place shaping and as part of the research for it and i can't remember who was speaking but he said that our shops are going to turn into micro factories and we will have 3d printing and we're going what's 3d printing you know and unfortunately <laughs> yeah i think the example at the time was a revolver so, you know, you can make a gun
0: of course yeah, yeah which
1: was not very you know i think i prefer the corkscrew example but well, that's where we're at. We can, you know, go down to your high street now and you'll see, you know, retail shops are closing, but you will see micro businesses that can deliver services, etc. So So it, it is changing the whole landscape, uh, specifically for, for marketing. If you want to put some titles, hyper-personalization, hyper-targeting, hyper-automation, just stick hyper in front of stuff and, and you know, you're pretty much pretty much got a <laughs> yeah. handle on it
0: yeah i think you're right one of the things that we're seeing already i think is is a lot of people are able to start businesses that maybe weren't able to do it before because they didn't have the time or they didn't have the knowledge the tools like chat gpt and bard and the others you know, save so much time and so much effort. I mean, you know, I've talked about this on the podcast before about how I use AI tools to do things like transcripts. Like transcripts, just to have a transcript of a video used to be really expensive and it used to take days because somebody had to manually type it all out. And they had to put, you know, the speakers in and the times in and all that stuff. And it was a barrier to having something like a podcast because only a few people could really you know, had the time and the money to be able to do that, to put out a quality product. Now, in the last nine months, 12 months, you've got all these tools out there that enable us to do these things. I mean, we'll finish this podcast tonight. And we were talking about this earlier. We'll finish this podcast tonight. I'll sit here. I'll do a rough edit of it. I'll upload the stuff. I'll get the transcripts and everything back in in 30 seconds or a minute. And then it'll be basically, it'll be ready to go. And then I just need to do a bit of the sound processing. And then, you know, but it all moves so quickly. And I th- I think that really is enabling a lot of people to set up new businesses and, and to do new things. But I, I also think that it's, you know, again, it's having a big impact on things like copywriters. And this is where it kind of gets back into the marketing question. Because in the past, you know, people might have hired a, a ghostwriter or something to write blog posts for them and those sorts of things. So they'd actually pay someone to do that, excuse me, now they don't have to, and they can get, yes, you know, the content that the that the AI tools generally generate isn't as good as you would get from a copywriter, but it's like 80% of the way there. And so just the saving of time, you know, for people who are trying to do those sorts of things. And I guess, you know, the, the, again, this is one of the reasons why I wanted to talk to you. And we've talked about this a lot just together, and that's why I wanted to kind of bring it onto the podcast to make it a little more public. And I guess there's different types of kind of marketers. We talked about this as well, right? So there's, there's professionals who market. Yeah. So there's professional marketers, CMOs, and, and people like that who do it as a, for a living. You've then got business owners and small and medium-sized businesses who need to do their own marketing. So they've got sort of a separate need, and and a separate set of tools maybe, and 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 something that's going to have impact there. And then we talked about students as well. So you know you've got the students studying it. What sort of skills do you think those three separate groups are going to need to have over the next few years? Or do you, are they similar? Or do you think they're different skills that they need to have? And and what do they need to do? Do you think?
1: Well, as as with most of your questions, are very long and very detailed, and and and, and, and the answers <laughs> need a long time. But
0: just. Just a little. One.
1: Well, I'll try. Uh, right. First of all, just because we can set up businesses doesn't mean to say that we should. Just just because we are, of course, we are now more on. We are now more equipped than we used to be. Doesn't mean to say that we should go ahead. Who is it? Who, who you'll know? Who was the guy that said we've all got a book in us, but it doesn't necessarily mean we should write one. Was it Hutchins?
0: Oh, was that Peter Hitchens? Peter Hitchens, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it was Peter yeah. Hitchin.
1: So, yeah. so, you know, I think the same applies with business. So, so don't let's get so carried away just because we can write our own copy or we can we can write our own marketing plan, we can write our own business plan that the world needs what we've the widgets that we're going to be producing.
0: Hundred percent, yep.
1: But in, let's split it up. So, in terms of professional marketers, chartered marketers uh, such as myself, then what will AI do, ML, machine learning, uh, SAS? What's that going to do for them? Well, I, you know, we're going to be much more productive. We're going to be able, we we can produce things in lightning speed. And I know this because I've done it myself. You know, I was writing a marketing plan for a project and actually somebody else wrote the marketing plan for me exactly a year ago, exactly, This week, last year, Simon Canani, super, super guy, uh, he and I were putting together plans around resilience training, resilience coaching, helping companies and particularly partners in the Salesforce ecosystem to become more resilient. And he wrote the marketing plan in, in a day, and I'm like, what the heck? That's my job. And and, and he'd been introduced <laughs> yeah. to, to ChatGPT. And and when he showed me the results of it, I was floored. I was actually quite, I was very concerned. I thought, oh my God, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm going to lose my job. My children are going to lose their jobs. My 10,000 graduates I've got around the world, marketing graduates, what are they going to do? And so I spent a few months looking into it and, be, and becoming more, I suppose can I use the word expert? More 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 used to using it. And I became more confident as a professional marketer, I I've now got a brilliant toolkit. And if other professional marketers embrace it as I have, they too will have an amazing toolkit. But at some point in somewhere on the in the funnel, somebody's going to lose out. So so if I can if I can write copy and send it to a copywriter to polish rather than create, then there's a, there's some time-saving there, et cetera. So yep. there will be a knock-on effect. Lacan, is it Professor La said, it's not, you know, you'll have heard this loads of times now, I guess, you know, it's not AI that's going to put you out the job. It's the person that's using it when you're not yep. using it that's going to put you out the
0: exactly. job.
1: Exactly. So professional marketers, I think, they're going to need smaller teams. They're going to be more niche in what they deliver themselves. And maybe, maybe touch wood, more organizations will have more marketing plans because, you know, I, I've i never actually seen any study on this. But <laughs> yeah. I bet less than 1% of the top, well, 1% of any British industry has got a, market, a current marketing plan. So... Fingers crossed. More, more companies will have more plans, and that will help them to steer their way through what may become, a, you know, an economic downturn. Individuals working within organisations who assume the role of marketing charities, and they've got somebody that does their, does a newsletter for them, or puts an event together, et cetera, et cetera. Well, if they're doing events, they're already probably using Eventbrite and Eventbrite's already using some some AI form in there, et cetera, et cetera. So I think individuals will become more competent um, within that role. That might lead to them becoming more, and I expect them to become more influential, so we've got the survey going and hopefully you can share the link to the survey and it's about where is the ai in you so as you as an individual have you got any ai in you are you interested in it or not if you are how interested and how how capable are you in ai but the same goes to your company so you know who's we, we you know we had gdpr officers didn't we i mean since brexit the Change that. Yep. Uh, but but yeah. you
0: know, no, same. We've still got them. All right.
1: All right. So we need, you know, <laughs> yeah. we need these officers. So who's your who's your AI officer? You know, who's who's AI find your organisation? So to me, I see that being a major, major new role. The natural person to do that, I guess, would be somebody who is or was in marketing. They need to be able to understand business, understand what the what the organization's um, objectives are, uh, and then apply a marketing, uh, sorry, an AI audit to the organization. And from that area, AI audit, they can then put together a, a tactical plan. So those people are going to emerge. And then what we got, students. students.
0: Before we, before we go on to students, can I just touch on one thing that you said? Yeah. I really like what you said, and I hadn't thought about this, but- you mentioned that maybe people would get better as just a passing comment along in, along there. Do you think that, like the people who, who, you know, they're not marketers, but they have to do marketing. Do you think that using AI tools will actually help them? Will they learn from the AI tools? Do you think they'll be able to, not only to use the tool just to say i need to write a better newsletter but do you think they'll actually use it to to make themselves better and to actually learn from it
1: why not why not well, well let's yeah. let, let's find the par- let's find parallels you know would you argue that somebody who used to use an abacus and now uses a calculator didn't learn more about maths? or somebody who used a candle yeah. and now uses electricity yeah know? i mean i love it. I, I-
0: well yeah that's yeah, that's the example, isn't it? That, you know, when electricity came, everybody started buying more books and, and you know, borrowing them from the library and people were learning on their own. No, it, it was just interesting because I think there may be two camps. There's some people who just, they literally don't care. They just wanted to give them an answer. And, you know, they'll just, they'll take whatever it is and they'll just push it out. And then, but I do think there's a big camp of people who will actually use it and try and learn from it. I mean this is what I got from the students and, and you will have heard this on previous podcasts but you know I had Andrew Maynard on who was talking to you know undergraduates at, at the University of Arizona. That, I've yeah. talked to kids at um at a at a private school in Cambridge that I went to to do a career day to talk about AI. And what I was amazed at is the students that used AI generally didn't use it to cheat they used it to write better papers or they used it to understand what they were trying to learn better. And so there's a whole group of people, I I think there's a group of people that are just, they're scared of it. And so they pull up all the really negative sort of, oh no, people are going to use it to cheat and they're going to do this, they're going to do that. But actually, I think a lot of people are using it to try and make themselves better, You know, to help them be better at their job or you know they they're not getting it to do the work for them but they're asking it questions about the stuff that they need to do and then they're doing it and i think that's a huge huge opportunity for people and it and it maybe it's a good segue into talking about students but yeah it's just interesting that you sort of drop that in your, yourself as well that you know people might get better
1: yeah i mean and i think we i think that we should look back to look forward and you know find parallels and you know when we started i don't know using the wheel did that you know did we go you know we just got better we got better at going in the right direction quicker and we did a bit more when we got there and we got home sooner maybe uh, you know so so you know I, I wrote a, a vow of positivity No, I'll be let's let's rephrase that i wrote it with chat gpt and i love it it's on my website there i love it because it says what i you know my intention towards ai is positive but it also says what my attitude towards any negativity towards ai so i'm not blindly saying ai is going to solve the world's problems and there are you know some serious serious issues around it so that's so you know it's a balanced view but but on balance and positive but I think yeah, we 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 should we could let's 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 play to the best. Let's play to you know we are. Um, I know was it Andrew Andrew, Andrew Maynard uh, who said um, that. We teach to the mean. We teach the average student. Um, and, and that's because the whole system's geared towards, you know, it's a production universe. I think universities are going to, are going to, you're not going to recognize universities within the next two to five years. And, and for good reason, universities, and I'm sorry to ex colleagues or colleagues and people, but I believe passionately that. We have too many students going to universities that aren't that are delivering outdated content to students who are paying extortionate rents to have that student experience that actually during COVID they didn't get, et cetera, et cetera. Is so yeah. the government giving any refunds no. to that generation yeah. of students? Et cetera. So I think that right of passage to go to a university those days. Have to go, and I think apprenticeships um, uh, make a lot more sense. Getting a degree in a year, getting the equivalent of a degree in why, You know, why why does it take three years to get a degree? Oh, sorry, I know why. Because children grow up, or, or young people grow up in those three years. Well, that's a very expensive, you know, growing up period, isn't yep. it? Seventy thousand pounds sterling debt for a degree that actually that content you could have yeah. learned in a year.
0: 100%. And it's even worse in the U.S. because it's four years for most students. It takes four years to yeah. get through uni in the U.S. So, yeah.
1: So I think stu- students will, um, it's on us to enable students to use every tool they can to better themselves and to better society. And if we aren't good enough to assess them in a way that prevents cheating, then it's all it's on us, isn't it? You know, I mean, there is um. Bill Gates references a English teacher in um, I think she's in Virginia, and basically she allows her students to use ChatGPT. This yeah. is going back probably uh, whatever, and they and they use ChatGPT and they do some amazing creative writing. But their assignment, their essay, is in the classroom, it's 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 supervised, and it's freehand. Yeah, exactly. So don't lose the art of writing, don't lose the art of storytelling, and use your imagination that, that you've actually just had it blown sky high by using ChatGPT to take you into paradigms that you would not otherwise have been in. So... Good on her! Hats off to her. She's found a way of enabling students to be far more creative and yet be assessed. And we can do vivas. vivas are so easy to do. You know why? Why, why does a student have to do you know a two-hour written exam?
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Um, Etc. Yeah. you know. Tell me what you know about marketing. Tell me you know. Apply the Ansoft matrix to these five, you know, companies. And if if I'm not such, and then you can put that through AI as well, and we can check the voice exactly. and the eye contact. Yeah, and
0: so where do we go from here? What's next?
1: Well, you, I, I think um, we'll talk about business. We've talked about um, students and education, um, society as a whole. I mean, did you see an article only today? It was um, – I hope you did see it because I posted it in the AI Collective, so you should have got uh, an notification.
0: I'm sure but, I saw it.
1: <laughs> but it was something to do with um, weather forecasting. Um, oh yeah, I uh, did has, see that. Just, yeah. yeah, yeah. AI, AI, um, developed weather forecasts, which is now proven to be more precise than the the customary yeah. way of doing yeah. it. Now. I'm sort of had a bit of a no shit Sherlock sort of moment when I saw that because it was like, of course, you know, I mean, that is that's fairly expected. We've seen developments in cancer, cancer treatment, and uh, and other health health issues. So I'm an advocate of AI. I think I think it's 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 great and 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 needs to be seen. I I want to I, I really wish the BBC would stop pumping out this you know, they they might do a five-minute piece on AI and, and four and a half minutes are about, you know, scaremongering and, and then you get a little piece that talks about some good that it's done. So we need to manage public perception. We need to get behind. It's can you imagine, David, if if you know, we just invented electricity. You know, what's the BBC gonna say? You know, don't use this. You can make bombs out of it.
0: It's dangerous. And it's like,
1: yes, but you can also build hospitals and you can build incubators and, and and you know, et cetera, et cetera. So we need to find a better, more positive positioning on this with its controls with controls of course i'm not advocating about controls so where do we go from here i know where i'm going from here i'm going to a conference tomorrow on ai and ethics and um and there's been some developments in that and i think you know and we're getting never so close to the point where we can say look let's put a line on it we've got it we've got it we well, you know the ethical considerations of ai and we're applying it so now can we move on from that um dialogue and um and, and get on with other things so
0: yeah shout out to sharing matthew x ex, ex podcast guest as well who's uh who's doing that oh he's
1: a great guy sharing and I'm, I'm i'm looking for i'm looking forward to seeing him i'm, I'm meeting tim bennett tim bennett bennett has just developed bob hyphen e bobby hyphen .ai, uh, which is your bespoke chatbot. So I've been training my chatbot for the last week, Ask it anything about marketing and AI, and it should give you a a conditioned answer, a response that I have given to it and some permissions that have allowed it to go, which is slightly different to the other chatbot that you'll see on my website at the moment, which is a TWICE one, which, which gathers information from from uh, ChatGPT, and that's been revised as we speak. Um, so, you know, there's some pretty pioneering things out there. Some things aren't, aren't perfect, but uh, they are getting there. But tomorrow we launch the new Level 6 Award in Marketing with AI. Uh, it's a Chartered Institute of Marketing-endorsed, accredited award. It's a Level 6, which is equivalent of a degree level, it's not, right. you don't have to do a degree in it. You do the, you do the, the mod itself. And I've written the content for that, um, on behalf of the uh, Cambridge Professional Academy. And we'll take on sign-ups for that tomorrow. And can anyone... And on the 5th
0: of December. Sorry. I'll, we'll do that in a second. Can anyone register for that? Or do you have to be in the Chartered Institute or can just people sign up?
1: No, you don't have to be a member. So anybody can sign up and you'll see the, um, the criteria the the um syllabus there and um and and the 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 test at the end of it is a multiple choice test so it's okay. not it's 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 fairly i wouldn't say it's lower level in any sense but it's relatively easy to get on but it's for professionals right. Gotcha. it's for professionals
0: i just wanted people listening to not think that oh, well, I can't do that because I'm not a member of the Chartered Institute of Marketing. Like anybody can go and sign up to do it. And I think that I just wanted to make that clear for people that, you know, if you're interested in it, you can go and sign up and, um, and, and yeah, I jumped in a little bit ahead. I know you were going to say on the 5th of December, you've got a webinar. So if people are interested in that, they can come to the webinar and find out more information. And then I think the course starts in January. Is that right?
1: Yeah, that's right. Fifth, fifth, um, fifth of December, eleven o'clock. I think I'm have uh, do a thirty minute taster, fifteen minutes Q and A, um, and and then the course starts in January. But I think second week in January. I'm a bit vague with some of the details because I've had my head so much into writing <laughs> the content. I'm like, yeah, you know, it's so. But it's it's. I mean, I've got to. I've been. I've so, so enjoyed writing it, and you know, I've I've learned a lot while I was doing it. I mean, it's eight modules. It's it's basically it takes you from what is it, how does it work, to how can I apply it. I'm very much aware of not for profits. I'm, I'm co-founder of the Age of Human. I'm a massive believer in democratization of AI. I don't want. My kids or any other kids that can't get onto the AI learning curve to miss out, you know, this is 21st century, let's give everybody equal access to AI. Um, So we're setting up a time bank. In fact, just signed it off this evening. So there'll be a, a time banking facility that will enable people like us and hopefully you and your guests and others will go, you know what, I'll give a couple of hours a month to, to support somebody that wants to get onto into AI, in the hope because it's not it's it's, a, it's not um, a written contract, but in the hope that they'll do some some good chore for somebody else, yeah. And that's how the world goes round. Yeah. So so we're gonna have highly professional courses, courses for professionals. I'm doing a course for Ned's not uh, what's a Ned, uh, non-exec director who needs to be AI AI. If i and there's a certificate for that as well, okay. um, pretty yep. intense short courses. So for me, what happens next is taking the knowledge that I've amassed, turning it into outputs, turning it into short courses. I'm talking with um, a, a marketing guru, doesn't like being called a guru, but he is. No one ever likes um, being called a guru. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm happy to be the goo if you're the root behind <laughs> the goo. I'll, I'll do the goo. You can do the room. But, um, yeah, we're talking about putting a book together, um, Applied AI. So, you know.
0: That's a great yeah, idea. I theory. think we're getting to that point as well, where a lot of people have talked about use cases. So what, in theory, could you use it for? But I think case studies now are going to become really valuable where, you know, we're going to see some published results of people and companies and organizations who've actually used AI in practice and, and you know, what, what return on investment have they actually got from that? And, you know, what are the, what are the sort of pitfalls that they've run across and things like that? And I know, you know, we've, we've got a couple of events coming up later in the year that I think are going to be quite interesting around that and potentially something next summer. So yeah, I think, I, I think it's a great idea and I think it's a good time for it also. So
1: can I give a couple of examples of, um, I've, you know, I get, clearly I get excited <laughs> about this stuff. And don't, you know, let, don't forget I'm somebody, I left school with no qualification, no, not, and I type with one yeah. finger. I, I, am, I am the slowest typer. I've
0: seen it. Um, so,
1: <laughs> it's embarrassing. I've just written a 95,000 word book, all all with one finger on a bloody and phone. I don't know how you anyway, do it. Anyway, but, oh, well, it's, it's my relaxation. But what I was going to show, so I I was with you last week when we were brainstorming something, and on a flip yep. chart we put we put some ideas together, big sheet paper, big ideas. You'd got your contribution, I did mine, and and then we took a photograph of it and uploaded it to ChatGPT and said, "Can you turn this into a discussion document?" and it, and, and and it did uh, that was a wow in world. like yeah. 10 seconds it did.
0: It, and i have no idea how it pulled i mean it it got it 90 it's not 100 yeah. percent, but it got 95 percent of what we had written down and and actually what we were trying to get to it pulled all of that out yes there were a couple little bits and details that weren't exactly perfect but i mean like you i just i really didn't expect much from it and um was was pretty amazed at, at what it managed to come out with
1: yeah. So on the back of that, on Monday, I was invited to. I keep forgetting. B BGF. Uh, it, it used to be the War Office or something on the Embankment. Right. It's um, it, it's a beautiful, significant, play, building. And in there is a charity. Uh, I should have practiced. I should have. I'll, rehearsed I'll put it, it in the
0: show notes for everyone. Don't worry. We'll we'll get all the details correct in the show notes.
1: LBST, I think it's anyway. So, so and the charities is, is um, they support young adults getting into a, into work, and these young adults are um, from a background that might not otherwise have, have, have had certain opportunities. So I was invited to um, talk to them about, and uh, and it was part of a one day workshop that um, had been put together by the Professional Academy. So I gave a little introduction, and then as I was talking, I said, look, can you all just make notes and do do it in the mind map, do it in the mind map, draw some pictures, go go wild. And um, anyway, towards the end of the session, um, I got them to take photographs of their mind maps and upload it to ChatGPT, GPT, and they were blown away. And it's so – one of the things I really like about AI, it's 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 instant. It's not like you plant something in the garden, you have to wait six months yeah, to see it grow. Yeah. No, it's, And and it's not, and I'm not talking about cheap tricks either. This is real stuff. Anyway, so that was one. The other one happened today. Um, A friend of mine's son came out of university, big debt. No, uh, failed his degree. He was doing chemistry. He didn't get into the lab for two years. By the time they got into the lab, there was a queue a mile long. He was there at four o'clock in the morning doing an experiment I used to do at college. You know, it was it was, it was his, his education was was poor. lost interest, failed a couple of modules. He's now out of work um, and looking for a job, and he's um, he's got an interview tomorrow. So I said, "Look, send me the job spec, send me a CV, and let me have a look at it." Well, I you know I've done a fair bit of career. coaching you do you know in academia but it sort of came to me in a flash stick it in chat gpt i knew where this was going to to, to interpret so chat gave me and i limited it so give me 10 questions to ask this person as if i was the interviewer and give me 10 questions that he should be asking the interviewer i happen to have an hour spare Called in to see him, went through it, putting I'm uh, I'm I'm not I'm not a softy, you know. I'm, I, I, I sort of, especially if I haven't got much time. So I so sat him down and said, like, right, I'm gonna grill you. Here we go. And I tell you what, David, it was superb. It gave him a reference point. He knew it wasn't me. It wasn't yeah. me asking him these yeah. questions. That mattered. Yeah. So and and when you look at when you look at some stuff that PR Smith was talking about last week on his radio show or whatever it does, um, talking about, you know, we we have concerns about sentience and we have concerns about, you know, GPT doesn't have emotions. Well, you know, sometimes you don't want an emotional conversation. You just want the detail, yeah. you want the facts. An example of that is people with mental health situations and I am seeing more and more evidence, and now this is not maybe statistically proven, but but you know, would you tell your inner secrets to somebody who will have their own bias? We, we, we're concerned about bias yep. with with, with yep. algorithms. But algorithms don't have ulterior motives. True. They might have bias, it might be unconscious bias, it might be conscious bias. Uh, it might be weightings. I put weightings in mine. I thought, you know, back 10 years ago, LinkedIn was a more appropriate platform than Instagram for yeah, 100%. businesses. Yeah. yeah. So we put a weighting in there. That wasn't a bias. It was an opinion, and it was it, it was factored in. So bias it exists it Exists in humanity. So it's, it's bound to exist in, in algorithms because they're the product of humanity. Yeah. But... Yeah. We don't put ulterior motives into algorithms and you do get those in the boardroom. You get them in the classroom, you get them in society. So let's get over this bloody anxiety about, about, you yeah. know, bias.
0: No, it's a, it's a good point. And I think you and I talked about this the other day and it goes back to the, the podcast that I posted last week, which is has turned out to be way more controversial than I Sort of intended or ever thought it would, but a lot of people reacted very viscerally to the thought of of someone, particularly an adolescent, talking to a machine instead of talking to a human. And I, you know, my my point was, and and look, I don't, I, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm not invested in the company. I don't have anything. I just thought what they were doing was really interesting, and I thought that it yeah. might be helpful for people who struggle to talk to people, particularly after COVID. Where you've had a whole generation of young people who didn't go to school, who missed out on a couple of years of socializing in person that they would have had normally, and they probably might struggle more than the average person to talk to someone. And I thought it was a really, I thought it was a really interesting way to use AI. But yeah, some people are yeah, they really don't like even like the thought of it. And um, so I, I may go back and revisit that again. So I'm glad you mentioned it, and I agree with you. I think for some people it may be easier. And like you said, it's, it's non-judgmental, And I think that might be a, you know, that might be an interesting factor in it that people will feel that they're not getting judged. And it's interesting that you said that that young man, you know, kind of knew that those quite, it wasn't you sort of being really pointed and grilling him personally. It was, look, I've, I've got a set of questions here that, you know, that I think are interesting and I just want to ask them to you. And, and yeah, it's a, that's a really good use for it. I'm surprised every time I talk to someone, I get some some different creative use that someone's done with AI, even if it's just something like that. It's amazing. I love it. It's so good, and 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 that's part of the reason why I love having these conversations.
1: I tell, I give you another example. I was I was teaching. What was it? It was it wasn't CM. It was Institute of Professional Sales Management or something. And um and I was doing um it's not it's, it's not my normal subject area, but um, and I was teaching on uh, financial management. And there was a there was an equation in there, lifetime value. So lifetime value and, yeah. and marketing, you know, we talk about it. But you know, we're not, some of us aren't, aren't as statistically savvy as maybe we should be. Uh, partly because, you know what, we don't teach at university anymore. Because, you know, or, well, maybe some universities do, so let me get that factually yeah. correct. But... Uh, at the universities I've taught at, a lot of the st- statisticians had left a long time ago. And therefore, your marketing students, when they do something like SurveyMonkey, SurveyMonkey you know, can return a huge um, data set. You can get a great sample time because yes. it's so yeah. easy. Mum, dad, next door yeah. neighbor, everybody in the local sports club, you get huge volume of responses. But we're not teaching interrogation. We're not showing our students how to how to come, you know, j- get deeper into the numbers and do the cross cor- correlations and everything. Cross what? I forget. Cross. Co- I can't speak properly. Cross now.
0: correlation. Cor-
1: correlation. But we're still getting information out of that data, and that's my that is my worry. That you know, we we don't don't just take. Data face value. We've still got to learn the skill of interpretation. So to go right back to your original question, what skills do we need? We need to learn how to ask better questions. The future skill, uh, one of our, you know, one of our great skills, as, as as you know, many of people have learned how to type rapidly. You know, that's a that's a natural progression. So will be a natural progression to asking. Better questions because you better, better the question, the more that, you know, the more appropriate the response. And to that point, I would also like to add that the cost of data processing is a real cost on the environment. So the example I gave to the students the other day was if Taylor Swift. Put something up on Instagram, and she gets a million hits in 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 a nanosecond. Where does that data come from? What's happening with that data? And of course, there's a spike in data usage in some data warehouse somewhere. So that data warehouse is typically, but not exclusively, is 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 in some sort of remote place. That remote place is typically a desert. The desert is in a what we might call a third world country or sub-Saharan country, and we're using water to cool the air conditioning units that cool down the data in countries that can ill afford to expend their water consumption. I don't know, it might have come from you or somewhere where I saw that um, Google searches use a tenth of the amount of water or energy that a ChatGPT search uses, which is one hundredth of what a crypto fact, cri- cryptocurrency calculation produces. So, as we, my, my mission is to democratise AI responsibly and try and get enough, you know, try and make some dint in the population that uses less prompts but does them better. Yeah, uh, that concerns yeah. energy.
0: And it's great because I was, I was just waiting. I was like, there was a brilliant segue to get to that because I know that's one of the things that we wanted to talk about. But it's good that that we got there in the end. I don't want this to turn into a massive... I mean, we can. We can go three hours if you want. But um, I think the the listeners for my podcast may not be used to that. <laughs> so I, I have my sort of standard questions, which you'll be well familiar with. So I assume that you'll be ready to answer these. But um, But I guess my first question is always... For you, is AI male or female?
1: You know, what? I have listened to you ask this question <laughs> many times. And uh, didn't somebody, someone just yesterday we talked about, hey, my boat is a, is a female. Boat's a yep. female. Um, Italian, you know, in Italian language, we sort of, you know, we, we tend to have masculinity, to femininity more than in the English language. So I understand why you asked the question. I think it's a fair question to ask. I have both. That's been Bob, Bob, which is my version of my the chatbot that I'm using yep. most. But well, my my granddaughter's called Bobby, so so the name itself isn't yep. um, uh, isn't a giveaway. But I don't know. I think I think I can it be both. Can it can be? Is 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 human male or female? Well, humans both. Yeah. So So it's, yeah, it's it's the equivalent of human. Okay.
0: Interesting. And so I know you have Bobby, which is your sort of your, your, your chatbot and AI that's on your website. So naudio.ai, if anybody wants to go play with it, but it, when you have a personal assistant, that's an AI, cause that's coming and we'll have a tool soon where it can do everything for us. It can help us manage our schedules and book dinner appointments for us and all sorts of stuff. What do you think you'll name your assistant?
1: Oh gosh. Well, I have somebody who worked for me a long time ago who uh, we did great things together, we did great things. And she knows me. I, I use the GC index. I don't know if you're familiar with the GC Looks at proclivities, looks at right. your strengths, looks at your weaknesses. And I'm mine's 10 out of 10 game changer and nine out of 10 polisher. I think I'm about a three implementer and a five strategist. And it's those characteristics that when you complement those, you get stuff done. And so Viv's back on the scene. I, I, I've dusted her off. She's come out of retirement. <laughs> She's loving learning about AI. So I think I would call, well, my nickname for Viv is Vivianda. So I would call my personal assistant Vivianda. Vivianda.
0: Okay. I like it. That's good. And there's a story behind it as well. So there's emotion so in it as yeah. well. You
1: know, I mean, you know, Viv, Viv, you know, fantastic person and it's a real joy to, and she's going to be running the, um, the time banking project that we're doing as well. Yeah, no,
0: I've, I've I've met her. So, okay. So that's interesting. So I guess the last, the last thing is, 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 you know, I always talk about the sci-fi because there's a lot of sci-fi. And I think a lot of the, the ideas that people have about artificial intelligence come from film and books that we've, you know, sort of grown up with So where do you think our future is going to fall? Do you think, you know, again, it's that more, is it the Star Trek sort of perfect world, peaceful kind of universe where we're exploring, but, you know, there, there really isn't any wars except for with like aliens, or is it more the, you know, something's going to happen, maybe AI isn't going to kill us, but the the civil unrest that comes from that is going to, you know, we're going to descend into sort of a Mad Max kind of thing, or, do you see it as some sort of cyberpunk, sort of something in between? I, I, and I know we talked about this the other night, but I'm quite curious to see, you know, where where you fall on that scale.
1: I remember when I was at school and our teacher was off sick and the headmaster took our class, junior school, and obviously he'd not prepared and what have you. And he sat on the end of a desk, Mr. Lewis, he was called. He was great. And he said, okay, for the next hour, I want you to... I want you to write an essay about what you think the, the future looks like in in the year twenty twenty, and uh, okay. and I think without without exception, we said we'd all be playing more sport and we wouldn't be working as much, and um, I think I said we'd all be eating spaghetti <laughs> and uh, you know things like this. So um, so I I said then, and I and I hope, and I know hope's not a strategy, but I hope that we do cut down to four days a week. We do exercise more mentally and physically, and we use tech to do good. Uh, I believe it can and should and will. Um, I believe that we re- reduce the impact of politicians. I think, I think, you know, politicians, we don't need them as much anymore. Let's, let's change some of that stuff yep. around. Uh, no disrespect to them, but, you know.
0: That's a whole other podcast. Don't,
1: that's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So so we'll you know, and, and in and amongst that I, I'm fearful that there will be so terrorism of some some sort, but um let's go positive. It'll be a beautiful world, it'll be healthier, happier, and we will work less for more reward.
0: Brilliant. I really like that. So we've talked about the CIM level six award, we've talked about some of the events and stuff. We've talked about your website, Nadio.io. Is there anything else that you want to mention to people or somewhere that you'd like to direct people to go before we, uh, before we say goodbye? Oh
1: gosh. Um, So connecting me on LinkedIn, Nadio Granata. I then will invite Everybody that connects with me on LinkedIn into the AI Collective LinkedIn group. And from that group, I then invite them into the Mighty Network platform, which is where we store lots of white papers. We've got Mirella La. L- L- Pota uh, her um, lecture on what is AI, etc., uh, etc. Et so we've got loads of, of great stuff. Uh, we've got a little newsroom in there. So anybody that wants to learn anything about AI, from school leavers to thought leaders, come and join us in the AI collective. Try and be proactive. Try and share stuff with us. We, we practice give givers gain, so you get a lot from us. Give, give something yep. back. Join the time banking. We'll set that up in the next probably by the time this goes live hopefully yep. okay. uh etc so that's about it um age of human keep an eye on age of human it's not the age of ai it's the age of human and um let's keep positive keep doing Brilliant. good.
0: i'll put all the links to all this stuff in the show notes anyway so that'll be fine so thank people you. can just look at the show notes and they can click through and also on the the episode on the website and that sort of thing as well so nadio thank you very much it's been a pleasure talking to you tonight so thanks for your time i know it's a uh, for people listening, it's eight o'clock in the evening already. So we uh, we edited it at the end of the day. But um, it's been a fascinating conversation and, uh, and, and I was really happy to have you. So have a good evening and we'll speak to you soon.
1: Thanks, David. All the very best.
0: The Creatives with AI podcast, the spiritual home of creatives curious about AI and its role in their future. future.